Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Defy the Norm. So today I'm sitting down with Jess. Uh, you might know her from Instagram as Drifter Journey. Her and her significant other, Greg, uh, left the corporate rat race four and a half years ago to pursue fun and adventure. You know, just recently they were all the way down at the tip of Baja and now they're up in Alaska, so it's really cool to uh, sit down with Jess and just talk about you know, why they chose this different lifestyle, what it's been like for them. I hope uh, it gives you some insight if you're contemplating if you know this life might be an option for you going forward. And we also cover some of the like major concerns about the nomadic lifestyle given the state of the world. So I feel like it's going to be a really inspirational episode, but also informational. to inspire you to boldly and unapologetically live outside the box, dream big, and question everything. This is the Defy the Norm podcast with nomads with a purpose. Hi, Jess. Can can you hear me? Yep, I got you. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes. I'm going to be amazed if we pull this off when you're in Alaska and <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a good Wi-Fi signal that you travel with or? Yeah, it seems like it's working pretty well. We actually just upgraded our hotspot situation before we came up here because we heard Verizon wasn't great. So we got a AT&T hotspot and then we have Verizon for our phones. So it seems like between the two, we've been able to have decent coverage. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what we had to do too. We have three now and AT&T works the best for so far. But when we're in our home base in Polson right now, I don't know, it's like it's a crapshoot mm -hmm. some days. Some days it works and some days it doesn't. So, well, thank really? you. Yeah, I'm so excited to uh, chat, actually. It's like known each other via Instagram forever, I feel like. But yes, to like. I know, it's crazy. Yeah. Thank you for asking me to be on your podcast. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> so real. we'll do very little of back story because I really want to just ask you about Mexico and Alaska. So tell the listeners <laughs> really quick, like why you guys started living in the van, how long you've been living in the van, those kind of things. Sure. So my husband, Greg, and I moved into the van just over three years ago. And if for us, it was kind of a really tangible solution to being able to just travel more and have more freedom. Um, we were working full-time kind of corporate jobs and it was for a great company. We um, honestly could not complain about the benefits or, I mean, we had like five weeks vacation every year. So it was pretty good, all things considered, um, but we were still feeling pretty restless and like, you know, is this it? Like, I kind of thought there was going to be more <laughs> to life than this. So when we really started looking at, you know, how do we, how do we travel more and work less? It really came down to well, we need to be spending less. So, you know, downsizing and not having a house anymore really, really 
gives you that opportunity to travel more. And so that's kind of what the van was for us. At first, we just built it out thinking, well, we'll just spend a year or two in it and, and kind of beat that travel bug. But then, and we had saved up two years worth of living expenses to do that. But then by the time we were in it for about a year, we realized we're definitely going to want to do this for longer. And we needed to figure out a way to sustain that financially. So we've kind of figured out seasonal jobs and side hustles, and we can get into that at some point if you want to, but that's, that's what van life is to us. That's why we initially moved into the van and, um, we're enjoying it so far. <laughs> we always said we'd stop doing it when it's not fun anymore. So, yeah. Isn't it funny? Uh, the girls and I talk about this so much on our making mindfulness on YouTube channel. And I talked about it yesterday on Instagram stories. It's so crazy how we're programmed to think like, we're lucky if we get five weeks vacation time. Like that's the goal. Oh, wow. You get, and then you switch to a lifestyle where like every day feels like a mini vacation that it's such a huge mm -hmm. shift. I think for most people, if they don't ever experience it, like it, it's hard to, it's hard to relate, but it's weird. This programming that we have that, oh, well, we should, um, yeah, like you, you get to go enjoy your life five years, five uh, weeks out of the year. That should be amazing. <laughs> Most people only get one week or two right. weeks. And there's so many I know. sitting on weeks and weeks of vacation time and don't, don't take it. And yeah, it's, it's, in, it's too bad, but we're, that's why we're sharing our voices so that we can tell people to like, no, you get to enjoy every day. I mean, you still have to work a little bit, but definitely it money changes. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> A little bit. I like. Yep. Um, so, yeah. How? Uh, go ahead and go into that real quick because I do think money. Uh, I interviewed somebody recently, and they said, you know, a big thing was being debt free. So, did you guys eliminate all your debt right before you before you moved into the van, and then you saved up a little cushion? But, you know, you have the same story kind of as us that we did that, and then you get to a point. Well, wait to sustain this, I have to think outside the box and find new types of jobs. Um, so what did you guys end up doing to like create side hustles or work? Yeah. So it, it's kind of ever changing for us. Um, but right now we're in a pretty good spot financially. I mean, we have quite a bit saved up now and we always say that that's, that's our retirement. So yeah, like you said, we, um, paid off all of our debt. And by the time we were ready to move into the van, all we had was our mortgage. So once we sold our house, we were completely like financially free of any debt, which is an incredible feeling. I mean, I'm sure you guys can relate. It just gives you that ability to kind of like do what you want to do to an even bigger level than before. So um, once we had that figured out and we had set aside our retirement, it was really just like, how do you sustain the next, you know, 25 years, <laughs> which seems like a long time, but we always figured, you know, if we got tired of this, we could always go back to our corporate jobs. I mean, we have pretty um, applicable skill sets to different areas of life. So that wasn't really a concern. It was just how do we balance the travel and making money at the same time. And so what we've ended up doing is Greg works seasonally in a ski shop uh, just north of San Diego and Encinitas, California. And that's about four months every year. And it's not really a bad place to spend the winter anyways. He gets to surf and we enjoy a warm winter in the van. And then I actually just picked up a job as the managing editor for Rootless Living Magazine. So that's really nice because it's like, it's already kind of part of the community and I'm helping do what 
we've wanted to do this whole time, which is inspire others to live an alternative lifestyle and just kind of think outside the box a little bit. Um, and then on the side, we also have our YouTube channel and then we have affiliate partnerships with a couple brands as well. So all of that together um, is actually more than what we need uh, for annual spending. And we're able to save a little bit, which is nice. That's awesome. So really quick, let's plug Rootless Living Magazine because you guys are doing an amazing job. And before you reached out to me, I didn't even know it existed, but that doesn't mean much because I kind of keep myself in a, <laughs> in a bubble. But it is such an amazing magazine. You guys are doing so such a great job. And I mean, even if somebody's not rootless, they should totally subscribe to the magazine just for inspiration and um, just seeing like there's so many options. I was looking through it because we I just got it when we got back this week. And I'm like, it's so cool to see that everyone can do it differently. Like how you how you do it. Yeah. Man life is totally different than me and my big family that needs to be on a rock wall all the time. And some people are doing it. <laughs> just such different ways. So that was cool. So first two thumbs up, you're doing a great job there. And I didn't know that Greg worked at, um, which surf shop or ski shop, surf shop, where, where does he work in Encinitas? Are you familiar with the Hanson's? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's why I figured. I was like, when you said that, I'm like, I didn't know that. That's probably how we became Instagram friends was I think you had posted, it was probably through, through there because that's where we would home base for so long until California became crazy. Right. Um, so that, yeah. Is so Greg's cousin owns the shop, um, inside of Hanson. So he's, he's able to work for his cousin and it's a pretty casual arrangement, but it works out well. Ah, that's cool. But you guys didn't do that this last winter, right? We did. Yeah. Um, so we were there from like basically November 1st to the middle of February. Yeah, the, the shop was open um, despite COVID and it was busier than ever. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to get stuck in San, in uh, California or not stuck, but have to go, Encinitas is the place to go. Encinitas handles, you know, they they, <laughs> they liked staying outdoors. It was great. We, um, I do love, I love Encinitas. I, I miss it. I can't even think about surfing. Um, so <laughs> you guys went from there through Baja correct? Yes. Yeah. So we decided to, uh, do a couple of months in Baja this year. And so normally Greg would work to the end of the ski season, which in California is usually about mid April, but we decided to cut the, uh, his work season short this year so that we could do a couple of months in Baja. So we left about mid February and we ended up being down there for about 10 weeks, about two and a half months. And yeah, it was pretty incredible. We had been down in Baja before we went down for about a month in 2019, which I think was a really great experience to kind of get our feet wet. So that this time when we went down, we really knew like where we wanted to spend the bulk of our time and what we wanted to do. Okay. So is it okay to share with me where, because I remember seeing posts about Greg surfing until he couldn't feel his arms anymore. And I just want to know where, <laughs> is it Cerritos? Where were you guys? No, actually um, so our, his favorite place in the whole trip was Nine Palms, which is on the East Cape. And it's just a beautiful place in general. But we happened to be there uh, during two different weeks on two different swells. And yeah, he was doing two or three sessions a day that the whole week while we were out there both times. <laughs> oh, so jealous. So jealous. So why don't you surf with him? We you know, to- I've tried it. Um, not a huge fan of the water. Um, 
a while ago, I don't even know, probably seven or eight years ago, I had a kind of traumatizing river rafting experience. And ever since then, I get a lot of anxiety and panic in like water that feels really turbulent. So, you know, I'll do like a hot springs, I'll do a mellow river float. But aside from that, I just, I I don't enjoy it. So I, I just hang out on the beach and I work out and I do my own thing. And it's kind of nice to have Space. You know him he has his own thing and I have my own thing yeah exactly yeah. yeah well but if I ever if we cross paths and we're surfing I'm gonna bring you out with me but only on a small day <laughs> <laughs> take you to the water uh, but I, I can see I what you're <laughs> I can see because river because as much as I love surfing I am not a fan of river rafting at all I think that is so scary and it's I and I'll even catch myself lately. We've been driving along the rivers in Idaho and I look at it. And I'm like, why am I so I need to get over this fear of like uh, because it is so turbulent and, and, you know, like surfing, you might get that same feeling, but usually the wave stops at least. So I always go, well, it's the worst. You don't have to hold your breath for 10 seconds. But but river after yeah. you feel like, oh, man, I'm just going to get swept down the river forever and there might be a waterfall. Right. Yeah, I can understand that. In fact, one time we were in Costa Rica and Victor and I were river rafting with a guide and I was new to surfing. So I was really passionate about it. And he goes, oh, you know, we can surf, surf the river. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And he turns the raft around and kind of tells us what to do. And within a second, we're flipped upside down, stuck under the raft. And I go, she's, it was like such good karma. Like put on my head, like, keep your mouth shut, Robin. Don't, don't encourage things that you're not capable of yet. And it was, it was slightly scary, but not so traumatic, but I just thought, okay, yeah, maybe I don't have to be so eager to do these things. So I feel you, I, I can understand that. And plus, like you said, it's good for to have separate, separate time. You guys are around each other enough that it's probably like, go, go right. surf longer. It's okay. <laughs> Um, but right? hot springs, <laughs> you guys are the hot springs experts. Like you find all these amazing hot springs. <laughs> when I think like when we first started following you, um, we go, okay, uh, well, we didn't know your personality type, who was, who, who was, but we're like, one of them is a type seven. Now I know well enough to know it's not you. That's the type seven. <laughs> There's something yeah, with hot know. springs and type sevens that, <laughs> Like I just can't get enough of them. Uh, is that what was it? Greg is Greg the driving force behind that? I got to get I got to get in the hot spring. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I've always been a fan, but not to the extent that he is. Um, and now that he's kind of on this mission to visit as many in his life as he can. I mean, we we keep track of him now. There's a list. I think we're at 117. Um, and that's, I mean, everywhere we go, we're always kind of looking at where the hot springs around, how many can we hit while we're here? And it becomes kind of a, a destination of sorts sometimes. I mean, literally last summer, because we were supposed to come to Alaska and we couldn't, we were like, what should we do? And we decided we would just hit as many hot springs as we could. And I think we ended up hitting like 40 or 50 just last summer. So it's, it's definitely something we enjoy. It gets us outside. Um, since a lot of them are hard to find, it's kind of an adventure too. just seeking them out and figuring out where they're at. 
a lot of times they're not soakable when you get there. So it's kind of this like construction project to get it soakable <laughs> and you have to get it soakable. Otherwise you can't count it on the list. So it's, it's kind of fun <laughs> and, and we really enjoy it. We have a couple guidebooks that help us find some of the more obscure ones, but then it, honestly, we've gone past that at this point and went been to several that are just by word of mouth too so that's been really fun too and we'll probably go to a couple up here in Alaska but it doesn't seem like there's any wild ones they're commercial so that is kind of a bummer but we'll still hit them up that's so awesome yeah I was wondering um I should know this but do you post them on your YouTube channel or do you try to keep them secret We'll share some of them, but we usually don't give the names of the ones that are harder to find. Um, it's it's hard. We've gone back and forth because while we do want to encourage people to get outdoors and do fun things, um, we think that some of the experience and of like finding it and the research involved and, and the work involved to get there helps preserve it. So if people go through that, you know, that work process, it feels like they're gonna be a little bit more respectful of the area. So we just encourage people, you know, we'll give hints um, like, you know, this one was 28 miles off the highway, that kind of thing so that they can maybe get started. But for the most part, we don't really share ones that um, aren't already well-known. Okay. And uh, do you have like favorite one? Yeah, I'm looking at Greg in the corner. Um, it's really hard because some of them offer such a different experience, you know, some, not all hot springs are created equal. We say that all the time. Like some will be in a really beautiful location, but it's like full of sludge and red spider mites and not really soakable. But then others are like on the side of the road and it's a really nice soak. So, I mean, I would, if I'm speaking for both of us, um, there's this one in Colorado that we've gone to several times and it's a hike in. Um, it is pretty well known at this point. It's called Conundrum Hot Springs and it's on a permit system. So that is kind of helping regulate the crowds these days. Because the last time we went up, we were like, we're probably not going to come up here anymore. It's getting a little overloved. Um, but then they put it on a permit system and we went back up and it was it was much better. But it's really beautiful. It's at like 11,000 feet in this cirque. Um, outside of Aspen. So that's probably our favorite at this point. I have not been there. I'm going to have to, I don't know if I don't foresee myself going to Colorado anytime soon, but you never know. Be yeah. nice. We were, uh, we hiked the sawtooth this last week on my birthday. And then we were driving, I think it's sunbeam is the one right outside of, uh, Stanley. Mm -hmm. That's like roadside. And that was yeah. a nice, that was a nice soak after an 18 mile hike. And it's just so darn easy. Um, I kind of like too, because it's just the water. It, I feel like it's cheating. Actually, the water just runs out of a big pipe there. And it's, it's really easy to find the perfect temperature soak. So that was pretty, that was pretty nice. And oh. it was not, there was no one nude, which I have nothing against that. But when you take your kids <laughs> to it, it's like, all right, here we go again. And, right. And you're uncomfortable. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, Idaho's not really a nudie place. We typically don't go nude unless we're like way out there. Just for that reason, there's a lot of families in their roadside. So it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Last time we were at Kirkham, though, I was amazed. It was only us and somebody else, but they, and they actually had their family with them too. But yeah, they stripped down and my kids were like, so I'm going to go sit in this other one right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. 
Not that it's, I mean, it's nothing wrong with it. It's just like more than they really wanted to take in at the time. Yeah. yeah uh, 100%. <laughs> so how'd you guys get up to Alaska? Did you drive the Alcan or did you ferry up? Uh, we did drive. We had to take the Cassiar Highway just for routing reasons. But yeah, we the first time we tried to get through the Canadian border, um, they told us no because technically the border is closed and uh, you have to have work reasons in Alaska to be here um, or to cross through Canada. And I didn't have like the proper documentation apparently. It was it was quite difficult. Um, so after we got turned away, I was like, well, we're gonna ferry up. So I started looking into that and it was booked until September because everybody else wants to be up here and it can't cross the border just like us. Yeah. So then at that point, I had kind of given up. I even called a barge company to see how much it would cost just to straight ship the van up here. And that was cost prohibitive. So um, I was kind of down on that. And then we had heard of some other friends who had gotten turned away their first attempt as well. And they tried again and they got through. And so we just decided, all right, this is our this is our final hurrah. If we make it, we make it. And if not, then it's it's off for another summer. So we really just beefed up our paperwork and I found, you know, documentation of the things that they had had questions about before. And then we tried again and they let us through. So it was almost surreal. And I, for like the first two days, I was like, I can't even believe that they let us through. Cause I had, I had gone into it expecting like, this isn't happening at all. And then, yeah, it was actually not that painful compared to the first time around. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, we drove, um, Canada had some pretty strict requirements as far as getting through the country, which we respected 100%. Um, so you have to get through as quick as possible. Essentially we drove 23, 2100 miles in four days and got into Alaska and we've been here for just over two weeks now, I think. Yeah. When we drove, honestly, we ended up doing the Alcan up and the Cassier back down. And we were a little bit on a time schedule on the way back down because the Cassier had some nice areas worth stopping, but the Alcan, it's not worth really stopping anyway. So we ended up driving it in about three days because I mm. thought we were going to break it up, with, but it's, there's really not much to do like if, other than stopping at Learard hot springs and getting cinnamon rolls. Uh, like, I guess if you're a fisherman, there's more, but for us, I was like, well, there's not really that much to see and do here. There's just trees forever. So yeah, we ended up going across pretty fast and I was kind of glad I did because overall Alaska just has so much more. It's, it's incredible, right? You're, you're just blown away by how beautiful Alaska is. And there's like, you could spend years there and barely touch at how much there's to see and do. Definitely. Yeah. We definitely have that that feeling of being overwhelmed of like, oh my gosh, one summer is definitely not enough. And like, how do you pick and choose what to do? And, you know, like at this point we've been traveling long enough that we have realized we're not going to see it all, you know, and there's that pressure has been taken off. So that first summer, we just, we drove so much because we felt that need to like, we have to see it all. We have to see all the best things and do all the best things. Otherwise we're going to leave here feeling like we didn't cover it. But that's the case, no matter how hard you try, unless you literally like move somewhere for five years. So yeah. I think, you know, it, we're going to do our best to, to see as much as we can and do as much as we can. Um, it's an amazing place where, I mean, we constantly talk about like, what if we just stay? <laughs> right. 
It's, yeah. temp- it's got to be tempting. If I was in your shoes, I would definitely be considering it. Are you guys still down in Homer? Uh, yeah, we are. Yeah, we're trying to decide if there's anything else we want to do here. We've been dealing with some pretty wet weather on the Kenai Peninsula, which is unfortunate. Um, so we're trying to figure out, like, do we hold out for this next storm to pass and get some more clear weather to do stuff? Or should we just move on? But we are still in Homer right now. Yeah, Homer is pretty amazing. And there's not a lot like necessarily... I mean, there's things to do. A lot of it would be spending money, but it's such a great right. just community just to chill at for, I remember being there thinking even actually Victor's the one who loved it there. He's like, can we just stay here? And he never says that. And so <laughs> I, I like there, I like the mountains. I don't remember exactly what it was called, but um, I want to say Scalat Lake. There were some really nice hikes up in the mountains on the Kenai Peninsula that, that mm-hmm. we enjoyed a lot, but you have to fight the mosquitoes for so long. Oh, I know. And the <laughs> salmon river, like we saw so many salmon. Have you guys gone salmon fishing yet? We haven't. I think we're happen to be kind of right in between like the king salmon run and the, the pink salmon run. Okay. So we're kind of waiting. We may do some fishing if it seems like it's picking up. But right now there's doesn't seem like there's much happening. Okay. We didn't really fish. We inadvertently were hiking one day on, um, yeah, well, uh, I don't remember what that river, Copper River, maybe. And yeah, we just yeah. happened to be the first day of salmon that it was salmon fishing. So it would have been like in late May or early June. And I couldn't believe like the fishermen would just throw out their line and pull in a fish every like minute. Like wow. they, they had like a pile of each, there was probably six or seven fishermen there and they had a pile of like 20 salmon each. It was crazy. I don't know if they're allowed to keep that many, but it was, I was like looking like maybe they'll just offer me one, but they didn't. I know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, and you guys haven't been up to Denali then, then yet. No, we have reservations. I read your whole blog about it and your guys' stuff is awesome. So for those of you guys listening that haven't read the blogs, you guys need to check out their blogs. But yeah, I checked out the, the Denali one that you guys wrote. And uh, we're basically going to do what you guys suggested, which is go to the interior and stay at the Talkinita, yeah. however you say, campground for a couple of days. Um, they're having some issues with like bus passes. So we're hoping that we don't just end up like in the middle of the park stranded. But yeah, so we're excited about that. It should be really cool. Yeah, it, it was really nice. But weather's hard. Like I think uh, when we went to Europe for six months, I felt like for overall, the whole pit thing was great. But when I really think about it, I'm like, we were always trying to outrun rain. And I don't know if I actually could do this, but I tell myself now that I'd be like, okay, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm not going to try to outrun the weather. I'm just going to suck it up and tell, me, tell myself to go slower because it's crazy if you're from, well, you guys winter in San Diego. When we're from San Diego, we're like, what's weather? We don't know what weather is in like most places. <laughs> are like, yep. um, this is normal. It's called rain. You know? Yeah. Uh, so it is hard but it's hard especially when there's rain and you're stuck in a tiny space for days on end and I think yeah we decided we're gonna try to embrace it um and we I finally bought some brain pants I have never owned any just because like you said I don't typically hang out in bad weather but because we're here and it seems like that's kind of just the way that it is um we got some and even just this last trip uh, that we took over to catch Mac Bay. It rained on us several times and we were like, we're not going to just go sit in the tent. 
we're gonna hang out in the rain and have a fire and like we went kayaking and got rained on and we like cooked lunch and got rained on and it's just (laughs) you know trying to embrace it and deal with and and wrap your mind around like it's just like being wet is okay as long as you're staying warm um it's a bummer when you get back to the van and all your stuff is wet and you have to try to like dry it out in a 70 square foot space but other than that um you know we're trying to work with it because yeah I don't want to like we drove all the way up here I don't want to spend all the time just sitting in the van waiting for the rain to go away because it doesn't seem like that's happening (laughs) yeah do you you find one of the hardest things about Alaska because at least for me I like warm weather is wrapping your head around being cold in summer because you guys see the pictures you're you're bundled up quite a bit and right oh yeah (laughs) like it's so beautiful yeah I actually literally just yeah, I literally just said to Greg yesterday, I was like, who would have thought that we spent all winter being hot in Baja and all summer being cold in Alaska? <laughs> exactly. That's so funny. Yeah, it's true. And then now, now that I think about it, New Zealand was the same. We just kept constantly being rained on. And it's like, it's still great, but just it's just such a different mindset shift to, uh, and it's also the reason why we did the same thing first year, travel fast, fast, fast. Okay, fine. First five years, travel fast, fast, fast. And now I'm like, slow down. <laughs> we have to go like, we're, we have this East Coast trip planned for fall. And I'm like, you guys, we're going to go slow. And they're like, are you sure, mom? Can you do it? Like, yes, come on. I really, <laughs> I, I, slow to me is not slow, but or to, to most people. But for us, I'm trying right. really hard to go like, okay, <laughs> one place per week, maybe. I hope. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It'll be great. Um, yeah. So do you, what's the, you meet so many people, you guys are um, very uh, connected with a lot of people who live nomadically. What's like, what do you feel like most people's biggest fear is or something that you have to tell them like, yes, this is a, a thing, but like, this is how I've overcome it. Or, you know, do you find yourself giving advice a lot on, on that part. Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I think for us, a lot of people ask us like how we find a place to stay every night, at least people who are just getting into it. Um, and, and for us, like we've kind of gotten so far past that point of caring, (laughs) like it's funny to try to explain it to people without sounding like cavalier. Um, but, and I do put myself in my own shoes from three years ago when we first started and figuring out a place to sleep every night was one of the biggest challenges, like daily challenges. And you almost start to experience decision fatigue around, you know, where am I going to sleep tonight? And then the next day you have to make that same decision over and over and over again. And it's like, that's when I can start to see why people stay in one place for two, three weeks at a time, because that then you don't have those decisions to make you comfortable with where am I going to get my laundry done and where am I going to go grocery shopping and get water and propane and things like that. Um, So yeah, for us, it's just kind of like over time, we've relied heavily on a few apps that are super helpful. And I think you just get more comfortable with winging it. And like for a personality type like mine, that's definitely been a huge shift. Uh, to be more flexible and not have a plan and just kind of like, well, we'll see how far we get today and then we'll decide where we're going to sleep. And we actually do try to be really careful about where we sleep because we want to make sure that we are not like putting a black mark on 
people who live in vans in general and parking where we're not welcome so that it kind of like puts a taint on you know the rest of the people who live in vans we've experienced the backlash of that ourselves you know from other people abusing a spot so we try to be careful and make sure we're parked where we're legally allowed to be um, where we're welcome to be and things like that but at this point yeah we just kind of were like yep that looks good that looks safe it looks like we're not going to get in trouble there let's just leave there <laughs> okay and this is like oh i'm going to come back to personality type but this is an actual you're it's so spot on to me that's not something that I necessarily worried about because my personality type, it, it doesn't worry about that, but it was a huge factor in our marriage because my husband mm-hmm. would get so stressed about that. Like, well, where are we sleeping tonight? I'm like, I don't know. Well, like when I'm ready to stop driving, I'll just find somewhere. And then with, <laughs> with practice over years and years of fighting about this. And now like we are driving back from Idaho this week and he's just like, yeah, take there, wherever, I don't care, wherever you want to sleep. But it took six years to get to that point where he didn't worry about, um, you know, and it wasn't even so much, I don't even know what the exact worry was. I think it was just like this programming of, well, what if I get yelled at? Or what if I do something wrong? Or what if I don't get a good night's sleep? And we've slept in some crazy places. And so far, my favorite is if we're in a truck stop because I like the sound of diesel to put me to sleep for some ways, reminds me of my bees. But it's like a guarantee if I pull into a truck stop at midnight, I'm sl- I'm out for seven hours because it is no way. <laughs> and he's just like, or if we're on the side of the highway, he's he's just very um, tuned into any car, any car noise. So he's always like looking like, Oh, is there someone's going to stop? And we've only been rolled maybe three times ever. Um, but it is, it is a concern. Like it is something that people should take into account based on your Mm -hmm. personality type. And it's, uh, something I, I think there's a way to get, you know, you guys sound like you drive a lot like us, but people don't have to drive a lot. They can just go to one destination, stay there, and then when you're ready, pack up and go to another destination. And uh, it is exhausting to plan because the six months in Europe, uh, luckily Gabby was good at researching, but it was a function of every single day looking up, okay, where can we sleep tonight? Where, what are our options? And it did get tiring for sure. So it's, yeah. it's good to know. So personality type, what type are you? Um, I think I'm a one. I think so too, but I, I wanted you to yeah. say. <laughs> I, yeah, I took the, when you first made a comment, I, it's probably had to be like a year ago when you were like, someone's a one and someone's a six or a seven. I forget what you said. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. So then I, t- <laughs> I took the test and I'm a one. <laughs> you guys are a good balance. Um, but well, and now you could be a five. You actually could be um, uh, more detail oriented, but I think I think a type one from the little bit I've heard. And it is a huge deal. Like your your voice is so important in this realm because for a type seven, they're not going to overthink any of this. It's just like I will figure it out. Is it fun? I'm in. And for you, you have a moral compass that you're kind of trying to adhere to. That you're like you even said it. Like I don't want to. I don't want to make a bad stigma for van lifers by parking in the wrong spot. And it's super, you know, it takes right. all types for the world. So it's really good um, for you to share that. Like, it's not all these rebels that are out there that don't care. <laughs> like 
I have a lot of common sense and I have a lot of uh, values that I'm trying to uphold, but I can still do this lifestyle at the same time. And so that's just pretty rad because I know. Yeah. <laughs> there's, and, and we've met quite a few like introverts on the road as well um their voices aren't loud on social media right just because they're they're doing their own thing they're, they just want to be left alone but you know we run into them in person and um it's yeah there's every spectrum of person out living in a van and like you said earlier there's no right or wrong way to do it it's kind of that's the nice thing about this lifestyle. It's so flexible and moldable to what you want the experience to be for yourself and everybody's doing it differently. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we need to do is another interview, a separate one. We need to have Victor interview Greg because there are yeah. inverse <laughs> personalities <laughs> and they would be funny. So we might have to do that in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. So is there anything else, um, any amazing stories you want to share or horrible stories? Because let's face it, you know, you have to wrap your head around that things go wrong living this lifestyle, no matter what. Guarantee things break, you get lost, whatever. Any? Uh... Yeah. Um, it's funny because when we were in Baja, um, we were doing an interview with someone and they were like, what's what's the craziest thing that's happened to you and I think they wanted some like you know wild story and it kind of feels like every day is a wild story like to a certain extent you know every day is is so out of the norm and and so different but I will say that um yeah one of the hardest experiences that we had to go through was when I broke the fridge in Baja and we ended up living that glorious cooler life for over a month in like 85 degree weather um, because we couldn't get it fixed while we were down in Mexico and we had to wait until we got back to the States to, to fix it and or replace it. So, um, yeah, those of you listening, if you ever have a small mini fridge, don't try to defrost it with a sharp knife because you'll break it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, what a pain too. I hate a cooler. Coolers are hard. Do you have at least like a Yeti cooler? Or was it? No, I mean, we only had the coolers that were available in Mexico, which was uh, like this like crappy rubber made, you know, single uh, wall cooler. So it was, yeah, it was rough. Thankfully in Mexico, you know, we go out and eat tacos quite a bit. So that's, that helped. But, you know, when you're doing these, these surf excursions to these really remote places for a week at a time, you kind of end up like, not having enough food and there was one point where we stayed at this one beach um, we were only planning on being there for a day or two and then the swell ended up being really fun and we were like down to it was like the point where you're just eating the leftovers tuna packets and crackers for lunch for like three days in a row but um, then we realized there was a market in town and got some more food but yeah it's just I think it's one of those things where you become more resilient because it's it's, it's a way to get to live the life that you want to live. Um, you know, you can see some of these challenges or frustrations as a sign that it's time to stop and it's time to quit, or you can see it as like a hurdle that you just have to get past so that you can keep doing it. And there's been times when I've definitely felt that I'm like, are we at the point where this isn't fun anymore? You know, cause that's what we've always said. Um, but then we get through it and we work it out and we're still doing it. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Um, I, I've starved my kids inadvertently many times with 
experiences like that. And <laughs> I, it definitely makes them uh, more adaptable. I mean, I don't enjoy it. It's not like, in fact, I think I'm the one who's, I'm the pickiest one about like, I want certain food a certain way. And mm -hmm. like when we're in those situations, yeah, that would just be the, a breaking point for me. I'm not eating another day of tuna and crackers. I'm just like, <laughs> I don't care how good the surf is. I just want a taco and a really good one. Cause that, was, that happened yeah, many times to us. It took me the whole time we were in Norway to remember that the grocery stores, that everything closes on Sunday. And I'm like, mm. you think I'd remember. And then my, yeah, it just, it, you're not used to it. And so you forget and Bali was kind of like that too. It's like so hard to find food. There weren't grocery stores. You're, you're stuck with whatever there, <laughs> at least there's food on the beach, but you're kind of, you end up being yeah. stuck. And, oh, that's well, I'm glad you guys are back and have your fridge now, at least in Alaska, you don't have to worry about keeping things cold if it does break again. <laughs> I know it's like we got it fixed and now we don't even really need it that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, Jess. Well, I really enjoyed talking to you. I'm glad we got to uh, connect like this and uh, tell everybody where they can find you, follow you, subscribe to your YouTube, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we are on YouTube at Drifter Journey and on Instagram at drifter.journey. You put a dot in there just, you know, for fun. Um, so yeah, you can find us both on those social media channels. We are on Pinterest and we have a website as well. So yeah, if anybody wants to follow along, we're doing Baja to Alaska this year. And then who knows what's next after that? I think it's going to be Alaska to Florida. You got to go like tip to tip again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, we, we haven't done east coast yet either so we'll be watching your guys's adventure and and maybe slotting that in for next fall yeah i'm pretty uh i'm pretty excited um all right you guys have a good weekend thanks you robin too. you too all right bye bye, -bye.